Hello, everyone. We are back again. And let's just get right into it. This time, joined by Margie Schaller, uh, instructional designer, president of Laser Pointer. And she's talking about So You Think You Want to Be a Speaker. Margie, I'm going to bring you up here. Margie's running her own, own slides, so you can take it away whenever you're ready. Okay. Thank you, Derek. Can you see this okay now? Um, it take, yes, now I can. Fantastic. Well, first of all, thank you to Derek, the CME guy, for hosting this amazing collection of programs. I've been watching all day, and it's been very cool. And a big thank you to anybody else who is viewing this today. As Derek mentioned, my name is Margie Schaller, and I am the president of Laser Pointer, which is a presentation design firm. And I put this together today <clears throat> because I thought it would be a little bit of a fun change of pace. This is more from the speaker's perspective than necessarily the CME professional. However, I've been in both worlds for over 15 years. And during this time, I've worked with hundreds of speakers in the medical and dental field. And I've helped new speakers get established and watch them grow. So in preparation for this lecture, I also reached out to veteran speakers to get their insights. And I hope that you glean some tips and tricks to help you along your journey if you're a new speaker. Or it might give you some better understanding of what they go through as they're launching their careers as speakers. So, you think you want to be a speaker. Why? Is it to make the big bucks? <clears throat> Is it the allure of traveling to exotic places? Do you have a great idea to share with the world? Is it the adoring fins? Uh, I mean fans. Well, according to current speakers, when you add up the extra time it takes to document and photograph all the cases, research topics, write your talk, customize the presentation for each lecture, book your travel, and then do the actual travel, and then time out of office, your honorarium is typically lower than what you would have made in your practice with that same time investment. Travel is no picnic nowadays, <clears throat> plus you're more likely to see lots of small town America than exotic sites. Either way, you're typically in and out so fast you won't know what hit you. Not to mention, time away from your family is not the only time traveling, but it's also the extra prep time if you do this work after hours. But if this is your calling, identify what kind of speaker are you? Do you see a need for current information to be shared with your peers? Do you have information about a new product or procedure? Or are you passionate about something that you want to share with the world? With that in mind, also think about the different types of lectures out there. There are those that are about what sharing what great looks like. Those that are specifically to share data and experience. And those that give step-by-step -step explanations or demonstrations. There's no right or wrong. Simply ensure you know what your audience and host want and who you are. So with that established, how do you get started? Well, step one, developing content. <clears throat> Being a speaker is not telling others what to do. It's telling others what you do. It's having a passion for making others successful. Depending on the type of lectures you want to do, whether it's podiums, study clubs, lecturing for industry, Examine the current topics at those venues. 
Some would say that you should select topics you see that align with your expertise. Clearly, these are currently in demand. Others would say to select topics that appear to be missing. These might fill an unmet need. Follow the money first. Know why the host invited you and make sure that you deliver. And ask for either a needs assessment or what types of clinical challenges and fears the audience has on a regular basis. As you select what information to include, keep in mind some critical adult learning principles, which we've heard other people talk about a lot today. Basically, we want to know why should I care before we really tune in. We desire to choose for ourselves and not be told what to do. We measure new information against what we already know, and we want to know how this is different. We'll only change if we want to, so don't go into this expecting full consent from everyone in the audience. And we typically only retain information that we need at the time, so make it relevant. Now we're ready to actually put this content together. I work with my clients to come up with a single sentence that encapsulates their main message. New paradigms in diagnosing XYZ is not sufficient. It should be more like the new ABC procedure reduces complications and increases diagnostic accuracy to 97%. Then divide this main sentence into two to four subpoints that all tie to that main message. Perhaps the first subtopic might be a review of the current diagnostic procedures where you include the complication and accuracy data. All about the new procedure might be the sub second subtopic where you discuss all the new data you have and how to get started where you tell your story of discovery and the results you have seen in your practice could be your third bullet. During each subtopic, be sure to include some story, be it a patient case or your previous challenges. This is what connects people to data. But because this is a clinical lecture, your audience is expecting references and evidence, so make sure that you supply that as well. But the real magic happens when you include something that Nancy Duarte talks about in her book, Resonate. Build in a contrast to your content between how things are and how they could be. For instance, using my same example, talk about the average, average time it currently takes to diagnose XYZ today and the frustration the patients experience and the cost to the medical system. And then, changing your voice, talk about the hope and wonder of a world where people could get diagnosed and treated with a simple procedure. This sounds like an obvious thing to include in a presentation, but many clinical speakers just dive right into data and cases and never pay attention to the why should I care, how will this make my life better, and what action do I need to take. I highly recommend you do this work in outline form, not in PowerPoint or Keynote. It allows you to see everything at a glance and to edit and move things around until you like it. You can then actually cut and paste your outline text into PowerPoint to create your initial slide deck outline. Make sure as you build your slides to tell the audience where you're going and then where you are along the way. And remember the adult learning principle, you're not telling anyone to do something, simply what you do, how, and why. As I mentioned, include stories along the way and allow your passion to come through. You can talk about yourself, your experiences, and why you are an expert at this topic. Or you can use analogy stories to get the audience to relate to you. 
Think about the times you've been in the audience. Was it the data that ignited you or the presenter's style? However, you do make, need to make sure that you have good data on both the gold standard and on today's proposal. Make sure you also know what's out there that's contrary to your message so that you can be prepared to explain why and offer proof. As most of us know, the general population is made up of mostly visual learners, with only 30% being auditory learners and a mere 5% kinesthetic, I mean kinesthetic learners. As such, don't do this to us. For one thing, we've seen it a hundred times and it's boring. For another thing, to the novice, like me, I don't have a clue what this means. Rather, organize the information on your slides in a visual manner so that it's clear what the message is. I can now confidently understand that these are various diagnostic tools categorized by type. And make sure to use quality images without pixelation. And please, please, no more clip art. So shameless plug, apologies, but if you don't know how to do all of this, or simply don't have the time, and especially if you want your audience to say, wow, contact me for a free trial and assessment of your presentation. So, on with the content. Step two in becoming a speaker is obviously working on your delivery. Everybody always says to entertain your audience, but entertaining doesn't just have to be humor. It's in how you deliver your content. Show your passion. Use movement and body language. Adopt a conversational style. Vary your pitch, pace, and volume. And something I don't have the luxury of today, but is so important, is personal eye contact. Mark Twain said, there are only two types of speakers in the world, the nervous and the liars. Nerves are good. They help you be on your A-game. Breathe every time you find yourself getting shaky. A good pause is sometimes better than rushing along headlong. And the best cure for nerves is preparation. So prepare, prepare, prepare. Don't try to be somebody that you aren't. And keep in mind, both you and the host may have overestimated the audience's skills and experience. Sometimes we all need to be reminded of basics that get lost in the information overload of our daily lives. Along the way, you will get challenges from the audience. There are often those who dislike change. Just admit that you're not the guru, you're only sharing your experience. Feel free to stop and ask others if they have input to a particular question. And if it gets really uncomfortable, just table it and offer to follow up after you get back home. You will never please everyone. In fact, clinicians are wired to be suspicious of new ideas. Remember, your job is only to share your message and not to change anyone else's. So, how do you get hooked? I mean, um, booked. First of all, it's important to develop your own cell sheet, let's call it. Basically, it's a one page where you have a high-res photo, a short bio, and a list of topics that you're prepared to speak on with a short course description and the learning objectives. 
if you need help with any of these, I can develop the, I develop these for my clients as well. Also have on hand an up-to-date full CV, and you'd be surprised how many people have not taken the time to keep these up-to-date. A W-9, because every place that you go to speak for an honorarium will require that, and suggested honorarium rates. Offer to swap free lectures with colleagues as a way to both practice, fine-tune, and gain exposure for yourself. Now, there are marketing firms out there that will help speakers to get booked. If you're going to go this route, I recommend choosing a commission-based firm so that they have skin in the game. Don't shell out lots of money for an unsure result. Now, for industry lecturing, there are lots of opportunities to lecture for industry. You can do pure product marketing and showcases. You can do sales training, uh, expert consulting, and research presentations. Be sure, though, that you understand their motives. They want to get clinical support for their products. Please keep your integrity intact and only speak to what you use. And if it's a CE or CME program, ensure that all of your presentations are fair and balanced and meet the standards of the accrediting organization. Believe it or not, most speakers never see evaluation forms for their lectures. Ask if you can see them. And for those of you in the industry, please ask your speakers if they'd like to see them. For speakers, be humble and teachable. Ask the host or audience for feedback the day of or immediately after the program. Launching yourself as a speaker means telling the world you have something to offer and know in advance that this might feel uncomfortable and do it anyways. And if this is your passion, lay the groundwork at your expense and then be careful what you wish for. Do you have a partner to carry your caseload while you're out of office? Do you have the support of your employer and your family? And after all the work you've put in, once you're there, enjoy it. Dale Carnegie said, there's always three speeches for every one you actually gave. The one you practiced, the one you gave, and the one you wish you gave. What I wish is I could have been in the same room as you today and shared a coffee together. However, as you go forth with developing your content, working on your delivery, or promoting yourself as a speaker, feel free to give me a call or drop me a line and let me know how I can help. I'm also available to give this talk either as an evening program or as a workshop if you know of any audience that might be interested. Thank you very much. That was really great, Margie. Thanks so much. It's, uh, it's been the great thing about this event, I think, is all the different uh, perspectives and types of presentations and topics that we've gotten. So I really appreciate you, uh, you joining us. Well, thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Um, we're going to move right on to our next one. We're not too bad. We're in about 15 minutes uh, behind schedule. So our last one of the day, Derek Dietz from Improve CME. Talking about literal literal linkage of learning objectives to specific outcomes levels. Um, so I'm going to close this one out, and we will start the next one in about five minutes. Talk to you all soon. Thanks again, Margie. Have a great day. Thank you.